Well, everybody's heard the old saying, war is hell, and uh, the United States sure has been involved in uh, their share of wars over the past decades. Um, the Vietnam War was especially uh, – uh, well, it was, a, it, was a, it was a war that wasn't really uh, accepted by the general populace at the time. Um, and a lot of books have been written about Vietnam, but I'm here to tell you that there's a there's a uh, well a friend of mine, Mark Rubenstein. He's an author, um, uh, lives back east, and he's he's written a couple of novels already. Um, but his latest book, The Foot Soldier, is uh, is a really um, close to the heart account of a um, of a marine during the Vietnam. Uh, number of Marines, and uh, it's it's one of the. I've read a lot of Vietnam books. Um, this is this is as good as uh, anything I've ever written. Um, it reminds me of a uh, of a book uh, that was written many many years ago. The things they carried, and uh, uh, anyway, we're here to welcome Mark Rubenstein. Mark, how are you? I'm great, Greg. Thanks for having me on your program. Uh, you're very welcome. Sorry, I'm a little toned down today, but uh, you know, when I, whenever I think back about uh, all family members and uh, uh, who have served and uh, listening to all the stories, I, I, I get a little solace because uh, nobody likes uh, nobody likes seeing this stuff. Or, but it's important that authors like you uh, write stories about soldiers and. Uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the foot soldier, Mark. Very good, very well written. I mean, really Thank good. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. I, I just want to make one thing clear. It Please. is a novella. It's not a full-length novel. It really is only about 60 pages long. Uh, some have characterized it as a short story, others as a novella. Uh, the, the hue and the cry is they everybody wishes it was a full-length novel. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Well, I was going to lead up to that, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mark, I was going to lead up to that because uh, um, I got I to tell you, um, you, you captured not only the language but the visual um, impressions that a soldier goes through. Um, so I want to I want to ask you right off the bat. I know that you uh, served as a medic uh, during your military career. You were with the eighty uh, first Airborne, I think. Eighty second. Oh, eighty second. Yeah. Okay, sorry Fort about that. Bragg, North Carolina. Right. Yeah. You were a corpsman and uh, or a medic, as uh, they called the uh, army guys. Um, yep. Uh, I was a corpsman. We've talked about that before. Yeah. And um, so so. It's been many, many years since Vietnam, and uh, the first question is, why did you write this, and why did you write this now? Well, I, as a former, as a veteran, uh, not of Vietnam, I was uh, fortunate enough never to have been in Vietnam, even as a tourist. Uh, uh, it is a tourist destination now, which is one of the ironies of life. Yes. Um, I, uh, but I, I am a veteran. I was uh, with the 82nd Airborne at, at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and I've always had a very special place in my heart for veterans. As I think we all know, uh, in the last decade or so, uh, we have had uh, veterans coming back by the thousands from Iraq and Afghanistan, and with the recent recession and with 
budget cutbacks and so forth, the VA has really almost been defunded in a sense. And many of these veterans are coming back with uh, terrible war wounds, much worse than anything that was seen in uh, Vietnam or World War II because of the high-intensity explosives that are used in these IEDs, these improvised explosive devices, and uh, leading to brain injuries, concussions, uh, uh, multiple fractures, broken bones. And they're coming back with both physical and mental disabilities because uh, uh, we no longer have a draft army. We have a volunteer army, and these guys are, you know, back in the old days of Vietnam, you only did one year in the bush, and then you were out. These guys go back two, three, four times. They they, they can be on uh, uh, on duty and in tour for, for four years, and... Uh, uh, there's an enormous amount of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and uh, with all of this that's been in the news and, and, and so forth, I just wanted to uh, write a novella about the experience of a combat soldier in Vietnam, and uh, I've been donating all authors' proceeds to an organization called DAV.org, that is uh, Disabled American Veterans dot org. They're involved in providing help, both physical and uh, mental health treatments, uh, fitting orthotic devices, paying for all kinds of things for our returning veterans uh, who are suffering by virtue of the fact that the VA has been underfunded. So that's that's really what impelled me to write this particular novel, which is a bit out of my genre. I usually write thrillers. And uh, although this is sort of a thriller in its own way, uh, it is a military book. It is a military book. And, and being a – I'm also a non-combat vet, um, thank God. Um, I did want to go to Vietnam, but I uh, went somewhere else instead, which was probably <laughs> probably a good thing. Um, and I've worked with vets. I know vets. Uh, I work with vets uh, at the local level here in Idaho and uh, – uh, and I talk to these kids whenever I can. Um, no, I think um, uh, this little mini novel that you wrote, The Foot Soldier, uh, really explains um, what what the what that foot soldier uh, goes through. The foot soldier, as defined in the dictionary, is is the grunt. The run, the um, leg, the, 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 the airborne leg. guys, right? The, the airborne, we airborne guys used to call them legs because they were uh, not airborne. They were <laughs> tramping through the bush. They were they were grunting their way, click after click after click through the bush and uh, triple canopy jungle. And and not that the airborne didn't, but uh, there was a kind of looking down on them from the perspective of the airborne guys and the marines. But uh, they bore the brunt of the fighting, and they were almost all draft. They were not uh, volunteers. They were not RA, regular army. They were uh, U.S. That is the, that 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 was the prefix before their service numbers, uh, U.S. rather than RA. And uh, they were draftees. And the protagonist of the novella, a guy named Costa, is drafted right out of college. Uh, the, the minute he gets his degree, he he Uncle Sam's tapping him on the shoulder and. Uh, like so many young men of that time, back in the 60s, he was uh, thinking of going over what was called the Freedom Bridge, leading from Buffalo, New York, to to uh, uh, to Canada. But he didn't, and he did his duty, and uh, 
the novel picks up from the moment he gets off the plane at uh, Da Nang. Yeah, and I love the opening paragraph, especially the opening sentence. As I stepped off the plane at Da Nang, the heat hit me like a blast furnace. I mean, that right there sets the whole tone. I mean, it, it actually puts you into that country. Um, you know, um, I, w- I, w- I was never, uh, like I said, I never got to Vietnam, but I did get to other places in Asia, and uh, the heat is the first thing that I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know? yeah. That, that, the heat and the smell. The yes. heat and the smell, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Well, um, so when you when you did your research, um, uh, did you did you take any stories uh, working with some of the vets that you worked with during your tour, or were you? Uh, is this just out of your head? I mean, where where'd you get the guts of this? Because actually, this is pretty descriptive. Uh, a lot of this is, yeah. it just throws you into that 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 foxhole <laughs> yeah well it it uh you know it's funny uh and i i've ended up saying this more or less one way or another in uh, about every novel or novella i've written uh it comes from some research i try to do as little research as i can because i'm afraid it'll taint what i write um uh, I, I take what I know about life and what I imagine about life, what I knew about military life, what I knew about uh, the relationships between uh, sergeants and lieutenants, uh, especially those who went through uh, officers' candidate school, and the contempt that they held each other in and, and the life of enlisted men, which I was in the Army. Also, my knowledge as a psychiatrist, uh, and I have over... Uh, many years worked with many veterans, uh, most of them from uh, the Vietnam era who came back with post-traumatic stress disorder, and uh, it just all melded in my head. I did read the things they carried. I did read uh, We Were Soldiers once. I've seen movies like Platoon and and, uh, Full Metal Jacket. I think most of us, uh, or many of us at least, have. Um, So there was just a a swirling melding of, of impressions and a sense of things as they were in my mind and i just translated them out onto the onto the paper as it were mm. and uh that that's what came out uh, i've been told you know it's funny uh many of the reviews on amazon have said this is the most vivid description by a vietnam veteran i've ever read and i guess that's a testament to how it, realistically you're right it, it is i i actually read those um uh, and and cont- every time i jump on your site i i I read what I can, but yeah, that, that's exactly what those reviews said. Um, this you was know what like, the most gratifying review though was, uh, Greg. I, it's very no, interesting. No. Uh, for me, the most gratifying review came from a teacher in Madison, Connecticut. A woman. I, by the way, I'm surprised at how many women love this novella. Mm. You know, it's the kind of thing you'd think women would just shy away from, and, mm. and a number of them said, "Oh, well, you know, it's not my usual genre, but I like his writing, so yeah, I gave yeah. it a shot." Uh, this one woman said this should be required reading for every high school student, and that hit me like a sledgehammer. Uh, I realized I, I had kind of hit on something. She's a teacher, and uh, that she felt that this should be 
read by every high school senior. Well, I agree. Um, look at man, you know as well as I do that education in the United States is just going backwards. I mean, yep. we don't teach what we used to teach. My God, how come? You know, uh, we got a oh, po- we got a population growing up, but coming in to age, and they don't know squat. They don't know mm-hmm. squat about what we, us, over 50 and 60-year-old guys, what we've been through. We've been through the Cold War. We've been through Vietnam. We've been through, you know, um, I mean, uh, Watergate, Somalia, everything Watergate, yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And these kids just, I, I agree. I, I think it should be. Actually, um, you got to write another one. You got you got to you got to write another one, Mark. And we got to we got to. Well, the talk. publisher's pushing me. She's saying to me, "You got to turn this into a full, you know, fledged novel." Uh, yeah, I've been working on two other things right now. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> I've got my work set out for the next ten years. You know? Well, okay. This weekend, I want you to sit down and write something about the uh, Afghan soldier. Okay. Oh, or, or, okay. Yeah. 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 We'll. we'll <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot of stories out there. Um, your character in in uh, the foot soldier Costa, this kid from Buffalo, New York, right? He's young. Yep. He gets recruited into the service. Holy crap! Um, he gets he gets very little training. You know, uh, early on he gets in the his eight weeks of basic yeah. and eight weeks of AIT, advanced that, infantry that's training. That's right. Sixteen weeks, it's four months, and bingo, he's in the right, jungle. Right, right. Yep. You're in the jungle. Uh, you're seventeen, eighteen years old. You're scared to hell. Uh, you don't know what the hell's going on. Um, you know, you, you get into firefights. People are dropping left and right. How fearful! I mean, fearful. And yet, this kid does what he's got to do, doesn't he? Well, he does. You know, I think every one of the soldiers there ultimately really simply wanted to survive. Correct. And certainly Costa wants to survive, and uh, I'm not. I'm giving away something. Uh, he has a very sadistic uh, uh, commander who uh, views him as a cherry, which is what he is right. in the terminology of the time, and makes the cherry walk point. Point is the guy who walks, who leads the platoon or the squad through the jungle and is the first to go down. And usually it's an experienced man who walks point. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Costa wants to, to survive. But, you know, it's really a tale of right and wrong, yes. of, of morality in the jungle, of, of uh, how far will a man go to preserve some sense of integrity when he's given orders that basically defy everything he's ever believed about the human soul. Yes. Um, and I tried to capture uh, the horror of what he went through, uh, you, you know, uh, almost like uh, Conrad did in, in, in uh, A Heart of Darkness, mm-hmm. uh, although in a, in a more descriptive way, uh, you know, from the, the point of view of simply the realistic portrayal of conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, to go along with what you were saying, is it okay with you, Greg, if I read a little section from this? Please, 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 oh, yes. okay. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I'm on page 19, and uh, I'm taking it right out of context, uh, so it won't give any plotting away, but it, it'll give you a sense of some of the novel. Quote, By early afternoon, the sun was hottest. Even in jungle shade, it was insufferable. Though we all had trouble breathing, some guys began coughing and wheezing, so we'd sl- stop to, s- to rest or slow down. On any day, our distance traveled varied from one click to a few, but it was always a hot, sweaty, 
tension-filled trek through a dark unknown. At dusk, we'd hunker down and make camp. After setting up our claymores and trip flares for, for protection, we prepared for the night. We knew the enemy liked to move under the cover of darkness, and that could mean a nighttime ambush. Clean your weapons, Des- uh, Davis whispered, tapping each man on the shoulder as he moved down the line. It was the main thing, cleaning our rifles and ammo. It was like a religion, a nighttime prayer, always done, never avoided. If your weapon jammed, you were shit out of luck. You'd be dead meat in a firefight. We broke down the magazines, wiped the rifle's metal parts meticulously, and oiled the spring mechanisms with LSA oil. With the magazines empty, we examined each cartridge for any dirt or debris. We then slipped the cartridges back into the mags and listened to Sergeant Davis's advice. He said again and again, Don't fill your mags with 20 rounds. Put in 18 so there won't be too much spring tension. Otherwise, your rifle could jam. Coming from Davis, we took it seriously. No magazine held more than 18 bullets. After your rifle was reassembled, you scrubbed down everything with LSA oil using a toothbrush. My rifle was cleaner than my teeth. (laughs) Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That, that, well, yeah, man. I mean, any soldier, any soldier would relate to that. Um, You know, you know as well as I did when the M16 first came out in combat in early Vietnam, that that son of a gun jammed all the time. There were a lot of boys. All the time. A lot of boys that died because that damn rifle didn't work uh that's that 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 is so um man that just that just puts me back into my training it puts me back talking Mm -hmm. to vets that i that i've known over the years i mean yeah yeah and and, see that's what i was saying before is this this book is is tightly written man i mean this thing is tight this thing gives you pictures um, it gives you a scenario. I love it. I, I mean, it's a, it's a mind pictures, yeah, mind pictures and images. That, that, uh, I, I, I think every writer who, who really loves to write yeah. uh, is a sensory person and writes in a sensory fashion. That is, you, you pull in all the senses. Uh, David Morell, the great thriller writer, once sure. told in, in an interview, uh, his big critique of so many writers is that they only use their visual sense. They describe only what they see. They leave out what they smell and what they feel and what they hear mm-hmm. and what's going on internally inside them. Thoughts as well as physical sensations. Uh, if you feel your skin crawling, your flesh crawling, you should describe that. If, if, if bubbles of, of sweat pop out on your, you know, under your, your chin, you should be describing that. If you smell the pigs from the nearest ville, you should be describing that. I, I, you know, uh, I learned so much from David Morell. Hmm. Uh, one of the great things of interviewing authors, uh, which I do for the Huffington Post, is I learn from every single one of them uh, about their thoughts on writing and that helps me with my writing yeah. but yeah it's word images uh but with all the senses involved yeah yeah i agree hey i want to get back to one point um you we talked about the morality of war okay we talk mm-hmm. about this kid costa thrown into this and he's got to you know he's got to decide um what to do and how to react and so on and so forth um you know, I've talked to a lot of vets, and uh, 
a lot of the what I've noticed is more younger kids, seventeen to twenty, had a heck of a lot more problem with doing what they were doing than than the older guy. I guess now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I suspect that's. Well, the way I look at it is, okay, everybody lives on this earth. You're going to go through shit when you're younger. You're going to go through shit when you're older. doesn't matter. You're still going to walk through it, okay? Mm-hmm. S- some kids, you know, don't go through anything traumatic. Um, and I would suspect that if, let's say we had a kid who let, you know, just a basketball-playing kid, he gets he gets recruited, he gets sent into this horrible situation, um, uh, situation on the ground he's got to fight for his life how much trauma how much trauma is is induced in this this uh, person and why do you think that the brain can't let it go why do you think that these kids cannot let this go well it's interesting you say how much trauma you know it's very it's, it's extremely interesting you can take 50 men or 40 men in a platoon and send them into the jungles or into the Afghan mountains and whatever. And uh, you may have four or five, that is 10%, who can develop all kinds of psychiatric symptoms, post-traumatic stress disorder, flashbacks, night, you know, nightmares and so forth. The others may end up feeling scarred in some way, but they won't develop a diagnosable psychiatric disorder. That's felt to be partly genetics or constitutional, partly by virtue of the upbringing they had. You know, it's the old nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much trauma it takes to induce, uh, uh, you know, a, a traumatically based uh, form of, uh, of pathology is going to uh, also vary from person to person. Some, some men crack very quickly. Others, look at John McCain. I mm-hmm. mean, he may mm-hmm. be scarred, uh, but my God, was it seven years? or not? How many years was he? Uh, yeah, the Hanoi Hilton, seven uh, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, it, it's incredible. I, 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 you, you think of being, and he was held in a cage and, yeah. where he couldn't even stand. I, I mean, you, you wonder how some people even survive survive no less get out and thrive and and be and remain functioning human beings right. i don't know that anyone really has an answer for that but you know the 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 tipping point for traumatically induced pathology varies from person to person and even from time to time in your life parenthetically greg you know the military likes to get young guys they like to get them at 17 18 because they're most moldable mm-hmm. then yeah, trainable, malleable. Yep. They can train them. They can turn them into killers. On the other hand, they're getting guys who don't have much life experience right. and who may not have uh, uh, been through some of the the. Uh, well, I don't want to say traumas, but it may not have some of the life experiences 21, 22-year-olds have had. Not that they're necessarily grizzled old men either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there's always some significant percentage of people, men and women, coming back from, be it Iraq or Afghanistan or certainly Vietnam, who have post-traumatic stress disorder or who have in some way developed a a, a drug habit. And uh, really, I mean, to this very day, there are Vietnam vets wandering around this country who are homeless. Yep. Yep. I know. It's a tragedy. Yeah. It's an yeah, it really tragedy. is. And they never got the help they 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 could have used. No. So we come full circle in a way. I mean, part of what made me write the novella was, was uh, you know, my feeling about veterans uh, and, and, uh, and also, I love to write. I love to write descriptively and, and uh, uh, 
write about things that I either know or would like to know. Well, I'm going to say it again. You did a hell of a job. I think the foot soldier, uh, it, it really brings the hell of wartime combat right into light. Um, it, it's an absolutely compelling story, Mark. Um, I, I really, I really wish she would write more of these. <laughs> come on, come on, let's do it. No, this I'll is. I'll give it my best. This is very cool. This is very cool. Okay. Um, well, listen, Mark. It's been great. Um, I cannot wait to uh, to have you send me more of your novels as they're printed off. As soon as I get them in my hot little hands, we're going to get on the phone and talk to talk about them. Um, yeah, well, the next one's coming out in in uh, late August, and I'll be sending you a copy of Mad Dog Justice, yeah. which is a follow up sequel to Mad Dog House. Right. And uh, I ended up writing. You know, I, Mad Dog House was a standalone novel. I never intended it to be a sequel, but so many reviewers said, "When's the sequel coming?" Because it ended on a slightly ambiguous basis, and uh, <laughs> you know, life is ambiguous. There are there aren't always you know open and shut uh, uh, you know situations. But I then I realized, my God, there there's room for a sequel. I don't, but I didn't know if I wanted to do a sequel because Stephen King always says, "Kill your darling." You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, know what the hell you're doing? Just do what you got to do. You're going to be fine. I mean, I and and if they're asking you to write, then write. I mean, good God, what a what a great place uh, um, to be in. Well, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the way I'm living right now. So uh, right. you know. May it just keep going on, that's all. <laughs> Maya Koopa, Maya Koopa. <laughs> Jeez. Well, um, Mark Rubenstein, The Foot Soldier, um, a novella, uh, which we're hoping he turns into a novel. Um, a, a life-altering 99 cents on Kindle, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, it's a lifestyle change. It's not a lot know? of money, folks. 99 <laughs> cents for a great read. And uh, I guarantee once you start this book, you won't be able to put it down. Mark, thanks a lot for being on the program again. Um, my best to you and your family. Uh, okay. Good talking right. to you, Greg. Thank you, Mark. Okay. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.